and welcome to Great Data Minds podcast series. Today, we're excited to have with us Ms. Denna Bennett, and she is the VP of Industry Engagement and Standards over at Re Colorado. Today's discussion is going to be around protecting homebuyers through the use of compliant data. And I know you said that isn't very sexy, Dana, but um, I don't know. I think you've got some good stories to tell. Thank you for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's just start with the basics. Tell us a little bit about you, your background, and about the organization you work for. Uh, let's start with the organization. I work for a company known as RE Colorado, like Real Estate Colorado. We are the 12th largest multiple listing service in the United States. Uh, by the way, as far as multiple listing services go, these are entities that provide property data to real estate brokers, appraisers, um, anybody who values home, residential home properties. And uh, in the United States, there are, believe it or not, about 600 multiple listing services that wow. service their uh regional areas. In Colorado, there are 12, if you can imagine that, but we are the largest. We service um, or provide subscriptions to real estate data to approximately 26,000 brokers, and we have data feeds that go to various entities that we can talk about in just a bit. Um, So that's RE Colorado. We also have a public-facing website called recolorado.com that competes with the likes of Zillow Trulia Realtor.com, even though we are the source for the data for those entities as well. Um, as far as me, <laughs> um, I have been in the industry for over 30 years in various roles. I started out at a company called MetroList, uh, which has been rebranded to RE Colorado. So I'm kind of recycled, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, When I was there previously, I was in a director position where I managed technical support group, marketing, and training. And then because anybody who has a real estate license who brokers property, um, they all get rich and they get rich really fast. Um, I thought that would be my next step, would be to kind of jump out of the frying pan into the fire and become a real estate broker. I did that for about 12 years and served on various local committees at my board of realtors um, and actually did make a very nice living at it. Um, And then at the point that my uh, son was going off to school, my husband had a job that was basically eight to five. I said, what the heck am I doing working evenings and weekends as a real estate broker and had an opportunity to go back to the company now rebranded RE Colorado and uh, came in as a VP level to manage data feeds to third parties. Uh, Like I just mentioned, out to Zillow, out to Realtor.com, broker sites, really anybody who had the need for real estate data that might ultimately be seen by the consumer. And then my role changed just a couple of years ago, and I got to pick my own title, and I kind of like the idea of engagement. And um, and standards. So I still have, um, I guess, my toe in the water as far as data standards in regard to the real estate data that we keep on RE Colorado. So sorry, super long um, introduction there, but hopefully that kind of gives an idea of the background. No, that was a great job. I do have to add something to that, though, that you have a great family and just off the chart smart 
uh, family. I know that um, your son did OK Boomer for us on blockchain and uh, really enjoyed meeting him. And I personally know your husband, Wes. So you, I can imagine what dinner is like at your house. It must be very, um, very entertaining. So, um, so, OK, talk to us a little bit about what data are you truly managing at ReColorado? Um, we actually manage more data than you might think, but the basics of what we manage would be the data around a real estate listing. So if you've ever looked at a property or if you've ever listed a property as an owner, you know that what your real estate broker is going to ask you for is the number of bedrooms, the number of bathrooms, what's the lot size, what's the square footage, um, and all those data elements that would be important to describe your property. Um, in our various databases, and, and we do classify them. So we've got multifamily, we've got residential, we've got land, we even have something called resimercial, which are the smaller um, properties that aren't the great big commercial buildings, but they could be a car wash, they could be a gas station, they could be a strip mall. So we do have those um listings or the property descriptions there as well. And we record right around 200 different data elements for each listing that goes into the database. And then we manage that data through its life cycle, or excuse me, life cycle. And um, meaning that when it goes into the system, it goes in as active. And then it's got a lifestyle, I keep saying lifestyle, um, a life cycle mm -hmm. that takes it to either under contract or maybe the listing expires, or maybe it goes from an off market status back to an active status, or at the point that it gets sold, additional data elements get recorded, such as what was the sold price, which is only public once it's sold, once a property is sold and closed. So we get to record that sold price. Um, terms of the financing, if there was financing, who the brokers were that brokered the deal. Um, so that's how we can then start using that data to compile statistics. And that's some okay. of the most valuable data that we have. So that's the, that's the core of our database, but we supplement that with school data, walk score, um, you know, how close is your property to amenities? Um, so you'd have a great walk score if you maybe lived in downtown or the property was in downtown Denver because you can walk to all kinds of amenities. So walk score is something that that we're pretty proud of. We were the first MLS in the nation to integrate that into the data. Um, so I'm always curious about what other data elements are available and have run across a company that I think is really cool. And it's called Air DNA. We have not integrated their data yet, but I'm certainly encouraging the powers to be within my organization to give them a, a good look. AirDNA data is a company that can give you a score for what they would predict your property would rent for on a short-term basis. So for oh, interesting, um, yeah, I think they are so. I think they are so cool. I really like what they're doing, and it'd be. So think that you're a buyer and you're out with your broker and you're kind of deciding between two homes and there's some really good things about one and some really good things about the other. And it's really just a toss up. It'd be so much fun, even though this is your primary residence, you probably aren't thinking about renting it out. This is where you're going to raise your family. But it's so cool to have that data element that says, oh, this one on the west side uh, looks like it gets, an, you know, $50 more. 
uh, on a short-term rental than the one on the east side or vice versa. I just like the idea that it's a talking point and it's addition, an additional uh, data point on, on a property. But there are all kinds of things that we can integrate, such as um, flood status. Um, how loud is one that we have in there? Um, so if a property is by a train track and that's an active train track, um, its score is going to be higher than something that's surrounded by five acres of property. So we integrate a lot of additional data into the main database that we manage. So that's all incoming data. Um, the other part that I can talk to pretty quickly is outgoing data or firms that purchase data from us. And I've already mentioned Zillow. I think everybody knows Zillow, um, Realtor.com. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. There are consumer mobile apps. There's one that maybe even some of the listeners have used called HomeSnap. Um, so that's an app that our data supports. Um, any broker website that's got data on it, we support that. And so that's all outgoing data. And then there are also great big banks that buy our sold data from us so that they can do property valuations. And a lot of appraisers, well, an appraiser would have to use our data in order to come up with a correct valuation. Wow. So the outgoing data. You're sitting on a lot of great stuff. And it sounds like more and more coming all the time. Well, and the other thing data. that's really cool is now with AI, we mm -hmm. get to work um, not necessarily internally, but with vendors that um, purchase our data, they've got data scientists on staff. And a company that I know that consumes our data uh, is called Privy, and they do um, they analyze the entire market. They've got data scientists on staff, and they run the data through an algorithm, and they're able to light up on a map which properties are good investment opportunities, whether for wow. a, what we call a fix and flip, meaning you buy it at a low price, you go in and you fix it up, and then you flip it, you have it on your books for maybe 30, 60 days, and you, you turn a profit, um, or for rental property. So there are lots of really cool innovations going on with data, especially real estate data. Those are just a couple of quick examples. Before we went on the air, you said this isn't very sexy stuff. I'm pretty intrigued so far, so I'm going to let you keep going. Tell me, um, speak to the data stewardship within your organization. Oh, um, well, so we've always we've always had a compliance department, and that's also ever-evolving um, because the data is pretty dynamic. If you think back to 2008 or maybe even way, way back when I was first with the company uh, with foreclosures. So when there are a lot of foreclosures in the market, the data that we need to record about those properties to let brokers know and their consumers know uh, what's really going on with the property or a short sale. So we still have those data fields, but as you can imagine, they're not used very much anymore. Um, but you know, when the market changes, they're there, and then we start collecting data in those fields all over again. Um, but we also want to make sure that what gets recorded in the database is correct. So we have some checks and balances. We use county data for one because the builder, when they first uh, build a house, they've got to file those plans with the county. And so county data is available in our system. And let's say a listing comes into the system and it says that the broker records it as a raised ranch. But the county data says that it's a ranch. 
Not that the county data is necessarily the source of truth, but at that point when there's a conflict, we reach out to the broker and we get information from them to make an make sure that in fact that property is a raised ranch or did they just have a data entry mistake and it really is supposed to be a ranch. Um, so we do that on bedrooms. We do that on all of the key fields. We do that on legal description because property can't transfer from one owner to another without a correct legal description because that is what gets recorded on the deed. Um, another thing, I mean, so again, I don't think that's particularly sexy, but it's exciting that, um, we do a lot of checking to make sure that the right data is recorded and also in a timely manner. So once a property is sold, we have a requirement that it gets recorded as sold with all the pertinent sold data within a 24 hour period so that our statistics that we pull the data at the end of the month can be as accurate as possible. We don't want latent reporting into the database, which would then have a bad downline effect for everybody who uses that data, as well as the statistics that we that we uh, publish. And then one other thing that has been a, oh gosh, eight-month project within RE Colorado with kind of an all-hands-on-deck, we actually did a full data conversion of our database to map our data to what are known as RISO standards. And RISO is an industry entity that is a standards organization. So real estate standards organization. Um, it's a nonprofit group that we interface with all the time to make sure that we are um, up to date on RISO standards. And we are, I believe, the third MLS multiple listing service in the country to make our native database labeled with the RISO standard fields. Um, and that might not seem like a big deal, but I think I mentioned earlier in our conversation, we have around 200 data elements per listing. And yeah. real estate is very regional. Um, I don't know that we care a much as much about swimming pools as they do in California. And they probably don't care much about loafing sheds like we do in, <laughs> in Parker and Evergreen and people who have horse property. So right. um, it's a whole group of people across the country that participate in the RISO um, standards group. I have a couple calls a week. Uh, for uh, different work groups that are within RISO. And I am so excited that we've moved to data standards. And I, I just keep talking. I guess I'll let you break in. No, in a minute. I'm loving it. You know, I didn't know what to, I never know what to expect on these podcasts. And I'm sitting here going, you know, the thing about it is, is you give property purveyors confidence, you know, in what they're getting and what they're looking at. And then being able to add that element of, before you buy, what it might be worth to you, and is it a good investment? I, it, that's all really, I think it's pretty sexy stuff, quite frankly. So um, I, I, we're getting close to the end, but I've got to ask you the obligatory question of the day, which is, seems like every call, it's the topic, uh, the leading topic. And how has uh, COVID-19 affected your industry? Oh, boy. Um, actually... It, it has affected us, and we've actually made an enhancement to the data or added some data elements. 
And right now, at least here in the state of Colorado, real estate is kind of an essential service, but kind of not an essential service. So the attorney general said, you're not an essential service. Um, I'd love to have that conversation with people who are looking for homes right now because they've just been relocated Mm -hmm. to Colorado or they're trying to get their kids uh, integrated into a community. But nonetheless, during this period, uh, the brokers are not allowed to show property and they are not allowed to do open houses because too many people could congregate and spread the disease. So we have added to the database, and actually, I believe it went live today, so we we reacted pretty quickly. So we have um, streamlined virtual open houses. So brokers um, can still go into a property that they have listed, assuming the family gives them permission and the family possibly steps out. And they can record with a GoPro, with an iPhone, with um, wow. anything that they want to do their video and actually do a narrated walkthrough. And that is in a separate data um, element, I guess, for them to post that video. And it differs from a virtual open house, which those have been around for, what, 15, 20 years Um, But the broker is actually describing the property as if somebody was there in an open house. So I think that's, I mean, that's kind of exciting. Um, And that will have a place to live um, past this outbreak. Any thoughts on when we get out of this, what property value, how it's going to affect property values? Is there talk in your industry about that? There's, that's all they're talking about in the industry, quite (laughs) frankly. Um, And that's part of of my job is um, when I say industry engagement, that means that I interface with um, my peers in other parts of the nation. I keep an ear to the ground of what's going on in real estate. And at least what we're seeing here in the Denver area, we have had a pent up demand for housing at almost all levels and competing bids for properties, um, five and six offers, houses staying on the market for less than a week. Um, of course, jobs will be affected by this and they'll be, we'll need some time for that to recover. Um, lending will be affected by this. But quite frankly, everything that I'm seeing um, and everything that I'm reading is that, you know, this has come to a screeching halt. And as soon as things open back up again, that there will definitely still be a demand for property. And I, I haven't seen anything in what I've read that is predicting prices will, will become lower. If anything, they would maybe flatten, but I don't see them... I don't see them. I don't see fire sales, but again, good. I think I think great it's, news for all of us property owners. Good. Yeah, I think it's going to stay pretty stable, or at worst case, flatten. I know second quarter is going to be dismal because the properties that would typically go under contract and possibly close in second quarter, those won't happen. Um, you know, the real estate cycle from when somebody enters into the market is about. Uh, 90 days kind of on average, or mm-hmm. um, I shouldn't say average, probably about 45 days on average from the time somebody gets into the market, they're loan approved, they're actively looking, they're actually looking at properties, they're ready to put their money down and transact. Um, so that cycle is now extended because people can't transact. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, we have hit that 20 minute mark and I want to thank you so much. Um, if anyone would like to talk to you further about the work you're doing, are you okay with them reaching out to us at a great data minds? Oh, please do. That would be great. Okay. And I'll be happy to connect you. And, um, if you are interested in talking to Dana about some of the work she's doing, reach out to us via info at great data minds. Thanks for joining us again with our podcast series and look for more exciting podcasts coming out along with events and, uh, video blogs and other good content over on greatdataminds.com. Dana, take care. Good to talk to you again. And um, let's stay in touch. You as well. Thanks, Julie. Thank you.